got, I got, I got, I got loyalty, got royalty inside my DNA. Cocaine quarter piece, got war and peace inside my DNA. I got power, poison, pain, and joy inside my DNA. I got hustle, though, ambition flow inside my DNA. I was born like this, and sworn like this. Immaculate conception, I transform like this, perform like this. What's y'all shoot a new weapon? I don't contemplate, I meditate, then off your fucking head. This that put the kids to bed. This that I got, I got, I got, I got realness. I just kill shit, cause it's in my DNA. I got millions, I got riches building in my DNA. I got dark, I got evil that rot inside my DNA. I got off, I got trouble, some heart inside my DNA. I just win again, then win again, like Wimbledon, I serve. Yeah, that's him again. The sound the engine in is like a bird. You see fireworks and Corvette tires skirt the boulevard. I know how you work, I know just who you are. See, use a, use a, use a bitch. Your hormones probably switch inside your DNA. Problem is, all that sucker shit inside your DNA. Daddy probably snitch. Heritage inside your DNA. All right, that was uh, DNA by Kendrick. Joe, do you have a funny opening bit for us? Wow, Paul, there's nothing that makes it less funny than calling it a funny opening bit. But yes, yeah, I, I figured we would cut that part, but you weren't talking. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a podcast in the real, as they say oh, okay. in uh, uh, the podcast verite. Yes, <laughs> that's the name of our new, even more pretentious podcast. <laughs> Paul, there's a popular uh, meme on Facebook right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. That um, people list 10, sh- 10 shows, and you have to say which one they did not actually see. Like 10, ten okay. they list 10 bands, and one of them uh-huh. they haven't oh, seen okay. live. Oh, okay, concerts. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to do this. It's all uh, bands from the 2000s. Uh, I wrote a list out, and I randomized it. Um, uh-huh. So you have to tell me, you have to guess which of these bands... Or artists I have not seen live. Um, uh, Midlake. Okay. No. What? What? <laughs> Never mind. Okay. I'm just picking out bands from the 2000s. I'm like, that's how good I am. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. I'm impressed. Yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, Bonnie Prince Billy. Uh-huh. TV on the radio. Uh-huh. The Arcade Fire. Ye- uh-huh. Yaysayer. Okay. Clap your hands, say yay. The Strokes, uh-huh. Sleigh Bells, uh-huh. Best Coast, uh-huh. Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, uh-huh. Wolf Parade, yeah. and Hank Williams Jr. All right, mostly I'm embarrassed <laughs> that you have seen nine of these bands. Um, uh... I've seen a lot of shows. I'm not, uh, it's, it's uh, you know... Yeah, you get around. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have to. You don't have to apologize to me, um, even though I did just mock you. Um, let's see. Um, well, I'm quite sure you'll have seen the Strokes. Mm. Um, I know you cared much for Sleigh Bells. I'm gonna. I'm gonna throw them in there. Mm-hmm. Hank Williams Jr. is so obviously a bait that I'm not gonna take yeah, it. So that, we'll say you saw that. Yes, yes, I saw them <laughs> with my parents when I was a small child. Ah, there you go. There you go. Um, let's see. Um, I thought the song um, uh, "Buck Naked" and it feels so good was hilarious. 
Ugh. Just hilarious. Yeah, I mean, as a, as a as a like ten year old, my god. Uh, yeah. Wow. No, that's that's really the perfect song when you're ten. Yes. Um, so I mean, you know, uh, country boys are eff- effectively aesthetically ten year olds. Mm-hmm. Um, not really a surprise. Exactly. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, you know what? You've never liked the arcade fire. Mm-hmm. I could imagine a girlfriend dragging you there, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say you just av- uh, avoided seeing them out of principle. Uh, okay, well, I did in fact see the arcade fire Shit. Uh, because uh, someone else liked them a great deal, uh, and I uh-huh. I bought tickets as a as a present. Uh, good show, uh-huh. good show. Um, the first. Well, I was wrong for the reasons I expected. As usual, as usual, the uh, the first half of uh, "Wake Up" or whatever that song's uh-huh. called is quite inspiring, uh, uh-huh. and the rest of it is um, <laughs> middle of the road uh, millennial garbage. Um, <laughs> uh, Man, I'm just. I wish I wish you had a soul. It's a bummer. It was that the suburb. It was the suburbs tour. I like to I like to be like I was at the suburbs tour for the arcade fire, being like, meh. Yeah, that is the height of their <laughs> critical acclaim, and you resisted. Uh, well done, hipster. In Boston, no less. Um, so yeah. let's go through this. Bonnie Prince Billy. I, I saw Bonnie Prince Billy opened for Explosions in the Sky. It could be the most pretentious show I've ever seen. Uh, TV on the radio, uh, I saw in Prospect Park. They were quite good. Lots of fun to Mm -hmm. see. Um, Yay Sayer, I saw Sleigh Bells open for Yay Sayer. Did not know who Sleigh Bells Mm. were. They were terrible live. Yay Sayer were great. (laughs) Uh, Clap Your Hands Say Yeah, I saw live in Boston. Um, they, uh, about halfway through the set, something went wrong and the lead singer was in a bad mood for the rest of the show. Uh, it was quite lame. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. As I saw it at a festival, they were fine. Uh, Wolf Parade, I saw on purpose. They fucking rocked. Um, Mm -hmm. Best Coast, I saw in a room with 10 people at South by Southwest. Uh, that was bizarre and awesome um they were playing at like which other time did you go to south by south i went to the yeah. i went to the music portion of south by southwest in 2010 which is the first oh, okay. time i saw best coast and local natives um oh wow yeah good times uh and i have uh weirdly uh, because they were inactive for a long period of time never seen the strokes live Oh, really? Yes, they're probably my favorite band that I have not seen live. Because I have seen them live at a sort of arena-sized venue uh, in North Dallas. That was... uh, Julian Casablancas was so high, he just, like, laid down on the stage to sing for large portions of the of the concert. I've been... I feel bad having been denied that. So, Paul, you you chose my troll band answer. Uh Uh-huh. You took the bait, and and for that, I almost feel like that proves you know, uh, you know me well, because that was <laughs> such an obvious uh, band that I've seen. Yeah, you eliminated. I figured, them. like I said, there's probably somebody who 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 drew you there, and then after that, I was pretty sure you had seen the Strokes, so I, I'm I wouldn't have gotten that one, yeah. even if I had thought harder. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I tried to think of some funnier bands that I hadn't seen, but I couldn't think of anything obvious. 
Uh, I thought about like yeah. naming '90s bands, but they were all. I kept thinking of all the bands like I hadn't seen. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I did this, I would definitely put Amy Grant on there. Mm-hmm. Um, it. My parents dragged me to a few concerts. I could put a lot of Christian bands on there that you would just be have to throw up your hands and not know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish I I would have put lit on the list if I was doing '90s band. <laughs> I we talked about you seeing them with Taylor. I think, no, so, I think that uh, no, no, I haven't I, seen lit. I th- I've, I've seen oh, I've okay, seen the okay. darkness. They're not even '90s okay. band. Uh, no, Taylor and I saw maybe we saw Oasis together. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Taylor saw lit and like Everclear together or something is what the story he was. Telling yes, about. yes, anyway. we've all seen Everclear. Uh, in the hell dimension, uh, <laughs> like in uh, Event Horizon, where Sam Neill's he's just taking us to an Everclear and lit concert, and and when you get there, they just play that the, the, the one bar of the song from the from the swim out past the breakers one. And it's like derner derner derner. <laughs> And that never ends for the all of eternity. And and then Fastball comes out to cover Counting Crows songs. <laughs> Eve Six playing Dark Side of the Moon. Yes, yes, so you don't stop. Cool like the best rapper, you don't stop. Another fucking hundred fucking dollar for the stop for you and your mom. Come on, yeah, you can never define anything but divine love. I'm a savage beast. Slightly above average, at least not. Preference is relative. My references consistently uh, bring you to another vicinity. I hit you with the riddles consistently. Dead in the middle, a little triply. Little did we know that we triggered a fissure in the metaphysical imagery, elegant painted in oil. Love well, your your like po- politics podcast could be co- called "All the Sense I'm Talking." <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> Okay, um, and welcome to Savage Beast. Uh, I'm Joe Gallagher, and with me, uh, talking sense as always, it's Paul McLeod. Hey, Joe, how's it going? Great, great. Cool. I uh, I forgot to think of something funny to say after you introduced me, so I just decided to greet you. Um, yeah, yeah, that's okay. We people don't come to us for humor; they come to us. Uh, for in-depth analysis of uh, pretentious and obscure music. Mm-hmm. Uh, today yeah. today we will be talking about music that is somewhat pretentious and not at all obscure. That is true. Um, although still, I mean, you know, uh, the reasons we're excited about this music are because of our pretentious uh, affection for the obscure parts of it. I we think. have obscure reasons um, for liking it, even though everyone else likes it for uh, boring, yeah. boring reasons. Yeah, yeah, those people suck. We like it because we're cool. Um, well, Paul, this is and that thing that we're talking about is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we had gone on too long with not saying that we're just talking about the Radiohead OK Computer reissue. Yeah, Paul, which is awesome. This is a Radiohead podcast, and we only talk about Radiohead. Yeah, um, you know, every other episode needs to be about it. it I so. would actually, honestly, like this would be a more popular podcast if it was just a Radiohead podcast. Let's not lie. No, no question. <laughs> um, but 
We're not sellouts like that. Um, uh, so, Joe, uh, you texted me excitedly, hoping there was an opportunity to relive our, our bot glory from uh, a moon-shaped pool last year. And uh, they didn't really string us along that long this time. No, but, they. Uh, how excited it, were you uh, when you found out about the this? The news came early, if you will. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> Radiohead, after posting some OK Computer themed posters uh, in various cities around the world and in a strange uh, video that was an actual uh, program executed on a, um, an ancient computer from the early 80s. Um, mm. uh, they announced uh, a special edition of OK Computer for the uh, the 20th anniversary of the album uh, mm-hmm. it, that included three unreleased tracks and remastered editions from the original analog tapes of uh, yes. uh, the whole album and all the B-sides um, yes. which is fantastic um Paul, I'm yeah, I've told this story before on the podcast about how I played Airbag from CD on my dad's super fancy mm-hmm. stereo, and the the uh, compressed drum samples on that track sounded so bad I had to turn it off, um, which normally I love them, as I've said before. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm really interested to see if like the remastered vinyl version fixes that problem. Yeah, it's it's exciting. I mean, here, it's it's an album that... Um, all of the best albums released in the 90s um, were, you know, still captured by the sonic requirements of uh, the CD and not-so-good stereo era that we lived in at that point, uh, the CD mm-hmm. boombox era. Um, and uh, I feel like Radiohead did not escape that until Kid A. And uh, to have OK Computer possibly remastered um, as well as, you know, some great out, you know, such as the, like the Beatles, uh, and, um, ha- have been remastered. It's thrilling. It's mm-hmm. delightful. It is thrilling. It's delightful. It is really good. Um, yeah, as we discussed with Talking Heads, it can make a huge difference, so it'll, or it can be not noticeable at all, so it'll be interesting to see how this one turns out. And the great out. thing is, I tr- yeah. I trust they did it awesome. Yeah, Radio, Radiohead is mostly in control of their album. Uh, they're now, you know, they have a close partner, partnership with XL Recordings, who now owns the um, uh, the rights to their back catalog. Um, is that the case? I was wondering. Yeah, uh, having what the deal having. Was. I don't know exactly the details between like Capital EMI, who um, out of spite reissued all mm-hmm. of Radiohead's albums. Um, as soon as they abandoned them to release uh, in rainbows, uh, basically for free, um, mm-hmm. pay what you want, um, yeah. and and not resign. So, um, but now uh, they are they're they you know they're this radio this record company controls it, but they're in uh, extremely close partnership with Radiohead, and I'm I'm assuming that um, uh, Nigel and Tom and Johnny will be. Uh, have been at the helm um yeah uh putting this all together yeah and uh as uh, i've said before again um nobody nobody at least in rock sounds better than radiohead uh with their modern production so um uh this could not be better news joe um 
which level do you expect to buy in at with this uh, with this special edition? Yeah, I think there's the hundred dollar uh, you know um, box set. Hundred thirty dollars. Yes, you're right. Hundred pound uh, box set um, that has uh, a a mixtape and mm-hmm. hundreds of pages of artwork and Tom's notebooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. I expect I don't think i'm gonna buy that um it is one of my favorite albums but uh, right now it just doesn't tempt me um as something i need to own um i am excited for the music here uh and i want uh i'm excited to have a great version of the album and at some point i have to realize that the way i listen to albums is 95 percent through lossless digital files through my headphones when i listen to something mm-hmm. really good and that's how i want this reissue um i i could end up buying the vinyl but i i don't mm-hmm. see going beyond that will you drop yeah. the big bucks paul <sighs> i'm super tempted um like i told you uh in chat the 30 dollar vinyl i'm definitely getting um my my occasional treks up to my dad's stereo are a reason enough to have my favorite albums on vinyl. Mm. Um, though, now that I have a nice portable uh, digital audio converter, I expect that digital will work pretty well for that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, it's interesting that you do lossless audio. How do you do you just like keep it on a hard drive or what uh, when you're doing Well, that? I mean, you know, if I want the full experience, I... Uh, would have the the flax uh, mm-hmm. on my hard drive, and I have a, a small uh, portable digital audio, audio converter that I could plug my headphones into. Uh, so it's kind of like Mac flack through the MacBook through the the DAC yeah. to headphones. That's interesting. I listen to pretty much everything as a cloud stored three twenty k MP three because I I just can't tell the difference. Um, yeah, it's it's possible that I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I, I yeah. Uh, in in the past uh, trials, I've not really been able to tell the difference, but I also mm-hmm. don't. Uh, I don't know the the storage for audio files is not so onerous yeah. that I I can't. No, it's not the yeah. storage. It's the the access to me. I love just having everything in the cloud, and then I just never have to worry about it. It's just there. Right. Except if I'm on a plane and I download it ahead of time. Anyway, um, uh, so the vinyl I will get, and so then it's really just a question of whether I want to spend a hundred dollars on the two hundred fifty-two pages worth of notebooks and the cassette mixtape which god only knows what that is um i just don't look at those notebooks that much i mean even if i love them yeah i, I don't but they make they make nice art just to like put up on your wall mm. um so you can look at the outside of it which but that's also true of a vinyl yeah I, I had you know the the um neutral milk hotel box set um came with yes. an absolutely stunning poster uh that i had up in yes. my office for many years and, um, uh, you know, that, that was, that was worth buying just to give neutral. I owed neutral Milk hotel hundreds of dollars for just being so good. <laughs> like I felt yeah. like spiritually, I owed them a lot of money. 
Um, I know that exact attitude. Yeah. I don't feel like I owe Radiohead anything because no, I, I bought <laughs> the expensive versions of all the I have given Radiohead already. a lot of money at this point. Um, <laughs> and that's why, like, I, for the Smashing Pumpkins, I, like, after Melancholy, I, I didn't buy the Adore reissue, even though I love it so much, that I just, like, mm-hmm. I ran out of fuel to, like, spend $100 on uh, a reissue of their stuff. I, I, I just yeah. I, I just can't give Billy any more money. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I am completely uninterested in demos and shit. Yeah. Um, so those really lose my interest. Uh, however, unreleased B-sides by a band at the peak of its powers are interesting to me. So, yeah. well, um, arguably that's the best part of this. This album, I mean, has three songs, um, two of which are uh, Lift and uh, Man of War, frequently called Big Boots. Um, mm-hmm. are, you know, for many fans, the Holy Grail. Uh, I think every, yeah. every, there are a lot of fans who have some unreleased Radiohead song that they've always needed, and th- these are absolutely two of the biggest ones. I think Lift is probably the one most talked about. Um, and for me, Big Boots is my favorite unreleased Radiohead song. Um, uh, and uh, there's a couple more that actually aren't on here that might be more Ben's era. There's some question of when those might pop up, like uh, Follow mm. Me Around is one that's uh, talked about frequently. Um, yeah, I feel like we've gotten... We've, they've actually gotten through the backlog of unreleased tracks that everybody wa- really wanted definitive versions of um, with this. So, yeah, like you said, there are a couple more, but the big ones I feel like have been hit now. Yeah, because, so, uh, you know, God bless them. they right because they, you know, with True Love Waits and uh, even mm-hmm. like back to like Nude, um, you know, they, they've kind of released. Nude. Yeah, they've released songs on albums that. uh, uh you know, people have been clamoring for, for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. so, um, but yeah, big boots is, uh, a song that I've listened to in like shitty live form, not shitty, Mm -hmm. but you know, um, in, in decent live quality for a long time. And it really is the peak, perhaps the late and highest peak of, um, bitter relationship tom um mm. he, he just uh comes out uh and uh he's got uh he's got his middle finger up and he's singing these lyrics um to <laughs> to you know a, a lover of some sort and the band behind him is just absolutely uh destroying it um this version, no doubt, will be a lot of beeps and boops. I don't. I don't uh, think so because <laughs> if it's if it's some of the you know this they tried to re- they recorded this for the Avengers soundtrack and by the Avengers soundtrack I mean the absolute shit movie with Sean Connery. Um, oh my and, god! Uh, I didn't know this existed. The session <laughs> sounds. Oh, oh, oh wait! I knew about this. Yes. Yeah, it's okay, not like ahead. the Avengers, like Marvel <laughs> Avengers. It's like the British yeah. TV show Avengers. Um, right. and the, the footage of them trying to record this and getting really angry at each other is, uh, famously featured in meeting people is easy, um, mm-hmm. where they, you know, show parts of these sessions. And it's, I think that's part of why this has such an allure is that the song sounds so awesome when they're recording it and they like are also just 
they can't like bring themselves to complete it because they're so like <laughs> tired and mad at that point. Um, so I, I hope that this, you know, all these songs are released in their full rock versions. Yeah, uh, I'm sure they will be. Yeah. Just because they're put on a reissue of this album, I'm sure they'll keep yeah. them in their it's got, original state. It's got like some of Tom, Tom's most like grotesque, angry lyrics for it, um, mm-hmm. including uh, uh, I'll "Bake you a cake made of all their eyes," <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and from poison cloud to poison dwarf. What a nasty <laughs> surprise! Uh, but like I said, he sings it just with such a snarl and, and raised middle finger. Uh, it's fucking awesome. And I think when was the last time that Tom was on a Radiohead album? And I was thinking about like, it sort of like originated in like, you know, like thinking about you on Pablo honey, you know, that kind of, Mm -hmm. um, that Tom and, uh, X, I mean, Exit music, Tom, or climbing up the walls. Electioneering. Climbing up the walls, Tom. Um, Yeah. But past that, mm, I don't know if he showed up at all. I feel like Kid A was... Yeah, well, obviously on Kid A, he just decided not to sing for the most part. Right. He doesn't... Um, doesn't, He's never out there singing from that, like, sort of place of emotional pain. Um, And even on Hail to the Thief... Uh, I can't say he really gets there on any of the, those songs. He, he's he's already in a like. Well, I guess two plus two equals five, a little slightly, bit. slightly. But he's there's always this geopolitical slant to yeah. it by that point. The the personal uh, angle has dropped off, but yet still, I feel like you could draw this line from like OK Computer to Burn the Witch that is surprisingly mm. straight. Hmm. You know, to I could, I can see that the the I, should, the lo- I suppose I should confess that "Burn the Witch" is probably my least favorite Moonshape Pool song. Mm, I, I think that's um, actually probably my favorite song of 2016. Period. Oh man, um, I th- ah, it's a little too on the nose. For I me. think Sorry. the the uh, you know the the lyrics are fucking great, and it's just I Johnny killed it, and like the the instrumentation of that song. Yeah. That um, part is good. It's more about the structure. But yeah. anyway, this is not a Yeah. 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 <laughs> Definitely. Which is a great song. Somewhere. I'm not right, <laughs> right, right. Um it's so well produced um from beginning to yeah. end. Um and when he sings like this is a low flying planet panic attack, um yeah. that, that to me good lyric. that Classic to me Tom. is is okay computer Tom. Uh, Absolutely. Where no question. It's, it's impressive how this character from okay computer uh still still exists now um mm. if we break out of man of war and talk about you know the character of okay computer um <laughs> or, or he's yeah. he's still there oh yeah uh no you can see that for sure i mean identikit is kind of paranoid androidy in a in a more fractured, yeah weird that way. is true that's really true um all right i think we've we've discussed this the the important thing is um that one of the greatest albums of all time is being reissued. So uh, if you like it at all, you should take a moment to appreciate it at the very least and possibly buy a better version of it if uh, that appeals to you. If you are in the target market of Radiohead's uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) stuff. Absolutely. Oh, man. 
Um, uh, it's funny. It's really. It's just really weird how the most uh, pretentious, uncompromising, anti-commercial major rock band of my lifetime is also the best at marketing their music to their fans of any band I can it, think of. It is a weird. Yeah, it's it's something to con- <laughs> it's something to consider in a different podcast for sure about yeah. about the the Radiohead's marketing and whether what the what the uh, implications are. Exactly, um, they they might be that uh, it's okay to uh, to live as a capitalist in a capitalist system if that is where one finds oneself. Um, yeah, the idea that um, even when uh, capitalism is one's least favorite thing, it is a uh, completely inescapable fact of our current lives. Uh, lives sure. is uh, perhaps the uh, easiest and obvious conclusion there. Yeah. All right. Um, capitalism. So. <laughs> so Joe, we st- opened up the the podcast with. Um, the best song of the 21st century, maybe. Um, a really good one. I, yeah, uh, that might be an overstatement, but I. Uh, it was DNA by Kendrick Lamar from his new album. Mm. Uh, mm. Damn, a lot of a uh, lot of competition for that title from the uh, rest of the album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, oh, uh, for that title of the best song, I agree. But but actually, I mean, I was thinking I was listening to the song last night and I was just like, uh, well, um, I I'm probably just being influenced by recency here. But right now, I would say if there's anything that future cultures will uh, uh, will still appreciate from our century thus far, I think I think the song it might be the best candidate. Interesting. I, I like I, that. <laughs> it's uh, uh, I'm, I, I love, I like Mike Will's production. I like his sound. I don't, uh, I'm not always into his trap stuff, which uh, like he did the humble beat, which is not bad, but it's not my favorite on this album. This beat is fucking crazy. Um, that is my official diagnosis as the chief beatologist on this podcast. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I mean, I would just back off and and say that I, I just see this as a as part of the the whole for the. Yeah, um, I don't want to detract from album. That. Um, I, I can't see. Um, I honestly haven't been able to pick my favorite track from this album yet because I like so many of them. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that. Um, there for dna there is nothing like the introductory you know nothing like the verse uh that this mm-hmm. comes in with i mean there or the verse that it ends with um when the beat goes like sort of melts down and he raps for like 80 straight bars yeah that, yeah that part is insane i mean this is um I mean, you're at the point where you're not comparing Kendrick to other people. You're just trying to describe what it is Kendrick does, <laughs> uh-huh. and it's it's beyond uh, it's beyond what we previously considered as rap. Uh, that is that is very close to my own thoughts as well. I was thinking last night, like it's weird for us to be this far into the uh, growth of a genre like hip hop, which has been around since like the late '70s. 
and to feel like somebody is like remaking it as we watch um into a new more interesting and complex and deep thing maybe again i'm just falling for the recency but you know like when when all those 60s bands did that to rock in the 60s uh rock was like 10 years old um whereas hip-hop is at least 30 years old however you count it so um arguably way more impressive for kendrick to be doing this to to my head yeah uh it's uh i i i i (laughs) I struggle to put into words what kendrick's doing and i almost want to like go back why don't you yeah why don't we put it into sound? Tell us a track you love, Joe. Man, I love this. I uh, it's hard. I love this, the the uh, the album's uh, epic. Um, the album's epic, which is Fear. That's that's arguably the second best. Yes. Track, yes. Um, let's hear. So let's hear let's that. play that. I'm high now. I'm high now. I'm high now. Life's a bitch, pull them panties to the side now I probably die anonymous, I probably die with promises I probably die walking back home from the candy house I probably die because these colors are standing out I probably die because I ain't know the markets were snitching I probably die at these house parties fucking with bitches I probably die from witnesses leaving me foster cues I probably die from thinking that me and your hood was cool Maybe die from pressing the line, acting too extra Or maybe die because these smokers are more than desperate I probably die from one of these bats and blue badges Body slammed in black and white paint, my bones snapping Or maybe die from panic or die from being too lax Or die from waiting on it, die cause I'm moving too fast I probably die trying to buy weed at the apartments I probably die trying to defuse two homies arguing I probably die cause that's what you do when you're 17 My worries in a hurry, I wish I controlled things If I can smoke fear away, I'd roll that motherfucker up That was uh, Fear by Kendrick Lamar um, The second verse uh, of of a sort of epic three-part series. Uh, Joe, why'd you pick that song? Yeah, well, in this song, Kendrick goes through um, uh, several stages of the evolution of fear in his life. He goes age seven, age 17, age 27, and then brings it mm-hmm. back to the fears that he has now. Um, so it's kind of his fear as a kid, his fear as a teenager, and all the ways he could die, which is what we heard now, how dangerous life was. Uh, and then his fears as he got famous, and now, of course, his fear as he, uh, you know, worries about uh, losing his spot uh, on mm-hmm. top and what that means. Um, brilliantly structured, um, mm-hmm. and in, in a way that he takes, I, I don't, it's not one beat, but it's one sort of, uh, like, kind of uh, overall uh, composition and raps in you know four very different uh, Kendrick styles over it to represent mm-hmm. his different stages of life. Uh, and it was uh, it was four of the sixty three possible Kendrick styles. So. <laughs> yes, um. yes, definitely. <laughs> um, and it, I, almost, I, I was kind of struck by how kind of the seventeen at age twenty seven verses represented. 
um, kind of the earlier Kendrick material, uh, his mm-hmm. earlier albums, and the way he was able to reach back for that. Um, and also how he, you know, sounded at age seven like a kind of angry stepfather yelling at a kid. <laughs> um, uh, it was Well, I mean, it, that verse is told from the perspective of a mother or father or somebody. Yes. But, yeah. Yes. Um, and uh, it's uh, striking just how uh, the, the literary structure of this song um, and then how that, how well he pulls that off. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm just blown away. It's got this amazing kind of Dre chronic 2001 style beat behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, very Compton, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, um a lot of that kind of laid back guitar uh and um on top of that just um a sort of a battering ram of fear uh that really in the (laughs) end makes you believe that he he has felt this fear his whole life and it's what's motivated him and and keeps motivating him yeah um this is a great example of what kendrick can do that like no other big time rappers except for maybe Danny Brown succeed in doing, I guess we talked about how Danny Brown does this of making you feel some real intense, um, just it's not fear exactly, but, uh, uh, negative emotions. (laughs) Um, but so I guess, you know, those two are rare amongst rappers, uh, who, um, Man, when they tackle a really serious subject, it's they can actually be just as effective. And I'll uh, just refer to talking about Kendrick here. He can be just as refect, uh, effective as when he's going off. Um, whereas somebody like like a Drake or a Kanye, like I just I just don't feel the pathos. I'm sorry uh, that they sometimes reach for. Yeah, no, it's not there. <laughs> um, and it doesn't have to be. I mean, it's the same as asking. No, like, no, no. Queens of the Stone Age too reach radio right, radio right, right. levels. And that's why Queens of the Stone Age also isn't considered what I would consider one of the best bands ever, even though I love them. Um, uh, that's uh, just saying something about my taste in art that there's, uh, I never feel like it's better than when there's, uh, you're dealing with some heavy shit, right. I guess. Um, so, yeah, uh, I agree with everything you said about that uh, track. I would probably say, uh, like I said, maybe my second favorite. The other one that I, or the other two I can think of that are clearly right up there are uh, Element, which just mm-hmm. has one of my favorite hooks of all time um, <laughs> that I can't repeat here. <laughs> um, uh, I do pull up, pop out, air out, and make it look sexy, though. At least I try. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway, and then Duckworth, which is... Yes, yes. Uh, I think Kendrick is at his best. He does a lot of things. He goes, he goes at all levels of, um, of description in his lyrics. He'll talk about just sort of abstract concepts, and he'll talk about um, general um, you know, sort of uh, narratives that compress a long period of time into a, into a verse. Uh, but when he gets super detailed in uh, a specific scene um, 
and he's applying all his uh, incredible flexibility and artistry and rhyming uh, and speed and uh, just, you know, um, <laughs> beautifully weathered vocal expression into uh, relating one really, really detailed tableau. I think that is when I love him the most. Um, and he does that uh, for pretty much that whole song um, through a succession of great beats and in then uses it to end the album on, uh, you know, in one sense, it's sort of a cliche, like, uh, you know, like uh, who would have thunk that this coincidence could happen thing. But on the other hand, like he, he, he nails it so well that, uh, he avoids any of that, uh, accusation, which is often true that, um, uh, the same story told badly is a stupid cliche and told well is a profound piece of art. And I think he, he pulled it off here because, um, <laughs> I mean, the effect of putting that track and that story, uh, which I, eh, I guess it's not a spoiler to say that, um, it's about how his dad, uh, basically lived to be his dad because he was just kind to, um, essentially a, a robber in his neighborhood. Um, uh, is, and that's just where he like ends it. Then a few more things happen with the sounds of the album. Um, just the result was that I involuntarily without thinking about it, as soon as that track ended, just said like, damn. Yes. Uh, well, <laughs> I was like, okay, well done with the name. He has, I mean, I think only, um, the only rapper I know who really does this is, uh, anywhere closest range is Biggie who, mm-hmm. I mean, who literally has an, a song called I Got a Story to Tell, uh, who will sit down and just tell a story, and that mm-hmm. is, um, propels the full weight of of you know, of the song. They don't need to, like, drop back into normal, uh, you know, kind of... Hooks and so forth. Yeah, yeah. crotch-grabbing, uh, bra- oh, yeah, bragging, yeah. that sort of stuff. No, it's just about the story and how well... It's being uh, wrapped over a really good beat, um, but not yeah. not a beat. Now, yeah, um, I was gonna say the the, the Wu Tang guys. I would uh, yeah. you don't fully appreciate do a lot of storytelling, but it's also like black exploit. It's like the rap version of a black exploitation movie, like self consciously. Yeah. So it's not. It does not have the weight, um, even though they're fun stories of of gangsters killing each other. Anyway, go on. Right, and I think that's just sort of what Kendrick is. It's it's like you said, he has, you know, 67 different modes. He's able to do that, but on another song, um, completely ignore that ability and just, uh, you know, kind of, you know, destroy people through, destroy all his rivals through free association for... Uh, Mm -hmm. five minutes and um (laughs) he is great at everything in between and um it's we kind of get to this trap where we're talking about how good kendrick is we don't have anything bad to say about him but i think that's part of what's amazing is that there's just (laughs) the only thing i could say bad about him is that he uh, i feel like it took him two albums to get to this point after his um amazing uh good kid mad city i feel like he yeah i feel like damn is like the true like Hmm. next level elevation of that and he like went in two different directions before he got there yeah well you know so i 
I was thinking about that same evolution, and so I actually went back and listened to all of To Pimp a Butterfly today. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I started to get into Untitled Unmastered, but that was uh, extra tracks from uh, from To Pimp a Butterfly anyway, so there are a lot of similarities, even though it's not totally the same. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, so the difference that struck me, I mean, everybody noted about To Pimp a Butterfly at the time, that wow this guy's doing all this jazz stuff um and it's definitely less just viscerally satisfying than the beats on this album which are like the best collection of beats i've ever heard in my life um uh just you know there may be some more creative producers from people like madlib or jlib or sorry uh, uh, jd out there but um, these are close in that respect. And they also have that just pristine modern production sound that I've talked about before that, uh, just gets me going. It's the, the way that the snares pop and the bass, um, rumbles while being totally clean on this album is, uh, just like exactly what I want to hear out of, you know, non-instrumental music. Um, and all the samples, are perfect in that you, you know, people have now figured out how to put instrumental guitar samples into music such that um, you almost don't even notice they're there. They're like a beautiful filigree that just blends into the whole thing uh, so smoothly that you don't really think about them as elements in and of themselves. Um, Anyway, (laughs) just that sort of sonic dimension uh, that you have on this album is incredible. And it really is missing um, to some extent when you go back to To Pimp a Butterfly. I think I actually appreciated To Pimp a Butterfly more after this album than I did before it in that, um, I don't know, I was more primed to focus on the things that Kendrick still does really well on that album, namely just rapping the shit out of everything (laughs) um, in a million different ways. And the beats aren't bad. They're just not, again, as viscerally pleasing. And... uh, uh, it's it may be more basic to say so, but when when the when it's like this, it's just irresistible, and uh, it feels good to let yourself surrender to the 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 call of of beats like this. Yeah, it's it's hmm. <laughs> this album definitely has it 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 to me maybe because this album so strongly speaks to my 90s hip-hop side and also what mm. I've learned to learned and loved about hip-hop from the past, I think, five to, well, five to seven or eight years um, of the, you know, like, what we might call the SoundCloud indie hip-hop era. Um, it, it brings those things together so well um, mm-hmm. in, in into... Um, w- something that sounds so classic on so many mm-hmm. tracks and at the same time uh just boils with like a new energy um yes. and that is what i mean that's sort of like what was missing from maybe like to pimp a butterfly which i mean i'd still listen to i still like i still love but um may i i don't i don't feel it as part of like quite as connected to like the like past and future of hip hop 
which that's is fair. a lot to that put on. Sense. But that's what, you know, Kendrick, I don't think Kendrick would be mad for any of us <laughs> expecting, like, the absolute highest level of uh, uh, excellence and um, <laughs> hip-hop technology from him. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, the one song... Uh, well, I mean, you know, there are a couple of, of bumping songs on that album, but the one uh, when The Black of the Berry came on, I was like, this, it sounds like on Damn, he decided he was just going to do a whole bunch of songs that sounded like this one, because I don't know, that one uh, is the one that really has the sort of um, uh, smooth aggression that I feel like are on the best tracks uh, on this album. Um, you said you couldn't think of anything bad to say. I can't think of... Uh, one minor caveat Ooh. for this album, yeah, hit me. Which is that the the two ballads on it, namely "Loyalty" and "Love," um, are by no means bad. They actually have great beats. They even have great guests from Rihanna and uh, Zachary, if that's how you pronounce his name. Um, I really like both of their hooks, uh, but Kendrick doesn't do a whole lot on them, and. I find that by the end, I am ready for them to be over, and I feel like they're there because somebody felt like there needed to be some ballads on the album, and less because he felt like they were, you know, the perfect components of his masked uh, artistic statement. Um, I will try uh, the idea I came up with last night, which is to just sequence them out of the album and listen to it <laughs> and uh, see if I feel uh, feel better. But um, you know, I feel like if they were one minute and 30 seconds each they'd be nice little palate cleansers but as full songs i eh, eh. they uh they interrupt the the sort of monolithic quality of this album as a as a whole and complete uh work that uh i otherwise think i would feel well no rapper has ever escaped the uh uh less stellar interlude problem um mm -hmm. uh, over the course of an uh, album's worth of material it seems to be a uh, persistent curse. Yeah, I mean, and it's not just rap. Uh, I was, I was thinking actually that uh, during loyalty, when I was listening to it last night, I was like, this is functioning about like Disarm does on Siamese Dream, where um, this is definitely going to be a single. Um, you know, Rihanna's on it, and it's 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 more smooth so after after everybody gets uh blown away by humble you come back with a softer track um but uh uh you know disarm is like it was a song i liked at the time but now uh it sounds a little bit corny uh with the bells and shit and is definitely not why i think siamese dream is one of the greatest albums of all the time of, of all time nowadays um Wait, it's, it's why it's why you don't think that, or do you think that? It's it's definitely not the reason why I do. Ah, that. I see, I see. Okay, yes, yes. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and also, I think that like, uh, yeah, the the Rihanna song is almost like a way this this album gets passed around. Like it's it's exactly it's kind of surprising, but like, can't even Kendrick still needs to market. Yep, that's and that's that's just my what would I was thinking. I was mean, uh, you know, I spend all my time mostly listening to indie people who, um, I think, more reliably, everything that they put on their album is there because they thought it was really cool, and not because they ever thought like this will get us radio plays. Mostly because they're not going to get radio play regardless of what they do. Um, 
So I don't totally blame him, like you said, mm-hmm. uh, if it gets more people to listen to Kendrick. Um, but uh, that's just my most minor caveat. And I, we should not talk about it anymore because this album doesn't deserve to have yeah. its flaws. Uh, how it has minor as they are drawn out too much. The phrase I was looking for during our Radiohead constri- uh, con- discussion was there's no such thing as ethical consumption under capitalism. Right. Yeah, that's the one I, or I've heard it uh, more metaphorically as there's no such thing as clean hands uh, in capitalism. There you go. Um, yeah. There's no such thing uh, as a great uh, uh, hip hop album without Rihanna under capitalism. <laughs> on a mainstream, on a major label anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually think her hook is good. I'm not the world's best. I like Rihanna, but you know, yeah, (laughs) no, I just wish, um, like there's the lyrics are less specific and there are fewer of them, um, on those two songs. But, uh, again, nothing. Uh, I will say the U2 song, um, when I saw a U2 guest, uh, on the track list before I listened to it, I was like, this is not a great sign, but it's great. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's the expectations there are so low. That's true, uh, but I think I think if I hadn't had the name on there, I would have been like, "Hey, this is good, nonetheless." Um, great beat, and uh, Bono, who I realized last night, he actually only does the hook like one and three quarters times, but it's a good hook. So, um, good job, Bono. Good for them. Yeah. All right, um, Joe. What other thoughts do you have here? I guess that um, you know, if Bono died tomorrow. Uh, what what would the world lose? <laughs> I mean, a source of uh, constant comedy. Uh, there was that time he suggested that comedians were the way we would defeat ISIS. That was pretty funny. Mm. Um, there, that was that was really good. There are a lot of people whose future involves like. Uh, paying like $200 for a 300 level arena, like stadium level ticket to, to see like 65 year old Bono stumble through uh, the Joshua tree. And like uh, saving them from that is that would be ethical. (laughs) There is such a thing as ethical murder under capitalism is what you're telling me. I'm not saying I'm not saying that our <laughs> listeners should should murder Bono, uh, but I'm saying that it would be ethical if they did. <laughs> so I guess this raises the question of whether that which is ethical is also imperative. Um, I guess not, because there can be ethic, multiple ethical. Choices, I mean, the real question uh, you can't follow. is: It time for Kanye to die? I guess not yet. Ah. Uh. Kanye is young children, so it's tough. Yeah, I, and also I even liked I even like his music still, even though yeah. he personally is annoying. Um, that's so that's okay, um, you know. Uh, but yeah, Kanye is way better than you two in the year two thousand seventeen for sure. There's no question about that. Uh, I'm ready to. I just you know, I, I'm uh, there. There are other artists who I'm. I feel like I'm ready to hold a candlelight vigil for. Yeah. I mean, well, I guess the 1975 was in my town and I did not murder them. Oh. So, uh, it's, uh, I really shouldn't be exhorting others to take up the, the arms. I am too much of a pussy to, to do myself. They could still release the, uh, the, the kid a of shitty, <laughs> uh, indie rock. 
quote unquote indie rock. Um, uh, it, no doubt it will happen. Um, Paul, is this album <laughs> is damn the kid A of hip hop? Uh, no, no. It's more like it's more like uh, the. You can take these rock hip hop analogies way too far, and I have done so. Uh, I once, I used to have a, a a large analogy built up in my head of how Eminem was like Elvis, and that was a mistake. Um, <laughs> oh. I you know, it. a white guy who comes in and uh, uh, makes Uber popular with that which was previously a black medium, um, but it doesn't really work. I'd, uh, I'd read that uh, that Ringer piece. Oh yeah, um, that that sort of tingen- tendentious, uh, uh, argued with selective evidence ringer piece. I think uh, I could definitely uh-huh. definitely put that together. Yep. Uh, um, okay. All right. We we will not murder any other popular artists on this uh, on this podcast today. I think that's okay. We'll just uh, remind people to hit us up on Twitter at Savage Beast Pod and follow, rate, review on iTunes. Check us out, savagebeastpod.com, and uh, generally try to get us, get at us in any way you care to. Um, and uh, Joe will play us out with one more selection from Kendrick Lamar. Yes, the, uh, the both the baby and the dog are sleeping. We uh, we've made it through the cast. Awesome. Good night. Peace. Sweet Joe. Sweet dog. Peace. Sweet baby. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny don't wanna go to school no more, no more. Johnny said books ain't cool no more. Johnny wanna be a rapper like his big cousin. Johnny caught a body yesterday out hustling. God bless America, you know we all love him. Yesterday I got a call like from my dog, like 101. Said they killed his only son because of insufficient funds. He was sobbing, he was mobbing, way belligerent and drunk. Talking out his head, philosophing on what the Lord had done. He said, Kid, I can you pray for me? It's been a fucked up day for me. I know that you anointed, show me how to overcome. He was looking for some closure, hoping I can bring him closer to the spiritual. My spirit do no better, but I told him I can sugarcoat the answer for you. This is how I feel. If somebody killed my son, that means somebody getting killed tell me what you do for love loyalty and passion up all the memories collected moments you can never touch i went in front of niggas spot and watch him hit his block i catch a nigga leaving service if that's all i got i